and welcome to another episode of the PD Performance Podcast. Today's episode of the podcast is a solo episode, so welcome back. I haven't done a solo episode in quite some time, so I may be a little bit out of practice, but generally I'm okay at chatting shit and waffling and perhaps putting a little bit of value in there for you guys as well, so it shouldn't be too much of an issue. I was racking my brain as to what I was going to talk about today for the last few days. I knew I had to put together a solo podcast for you guys because we have some great guests coming up. But at the moment, I don't yet have any guest episodes to fall back on like I have had in previous weeks. And the good news is that previous week's guest episodes have been going really, really well with Alan Tynan cracking into that top five. I think he's up to third or fourth on the all-time list in terms of the amount of downloads and listens. Our subscribers are going up. Ray Ellen's episode has gone really, really well as well. And we have some great guests on the horizon for you guys. But today's episode is a solo one. And what I'm going to talk about today is I'm going to talk about championship because it is championship season. And through my years in working with many different teams, I have a bit of an aptitude for seeing what success looks like and seeing the common characteristics of teams that are going to succeed. Now, that's not to say I can just go in and say to a team, look, this is what you need to do and then you're going to win. It's not as simple as that. But generally, the teams that go further in the championship or the teams that go further in the league or do better in the league in terms of rugby or in terms of sevens tournaments and whatnot have certain characteristics. And I thought that rather than framing it as what to do to succeed, because that's what we're always taught, I thought it might be useful to go through what not to do if uh, you want to succeed. Because I'm working with so many players and so many individual athletes in the GAA, I get to hear about the approaches of various different teams up and down the country. And I hear about the teams that do well and I hear about the teams that don't do so well. And generally, there are some common characteristics of the teams that don't do so well. And we probably know what they are off topic or offhand because Lots of us have been part of teams that haven't reached their potential and that haven't done well. And generally, when that is happening, there's a feeling of a lack of togetherness. There's a feeling of a lack of alignment, a lack of clarity, a lack of belief in that you can go and do it. And there's generally a bit of tension in the group. Excuse me. So... A lot of my job at the moment, like a lot of the SNC is done. I'm still taking the microdose pre-session. I'm still timing our rest periods. I'm still doing the return to play with athletes. I'm still uh, facilitating rehab programs, strength programs and power programs for, my, for some athletes that want to improve in that regard, some speed and change of direction, additional work as well. But for the most part, a lot of it comes down to structuring how the team is going to win or helping the team to win in whatever way I can. Now, that might mean setting goals with individual athletes or on an individual level. That could be process goals for the games. That could be goals in relation to their own training. It could be process goals around 
training or away from training in relation to their lifestyle factors, their habits, etc., to put them in the best position possible when they're on the field, or it could be in relation to their mindset when they're on the field and how to refocus, ground themselves, and then get the best out of themselves that they possibly can. So my job at this stage of the season is a lot of question asking. I'm asking players a lot of questions. I'm asking coaches a lot of questions. And as a result of doing that, hopefully moving us forward in the right direction by offering the players and the coaches opportunities for self-reflection and reflection on what we're doing and what direction we are going in and how best to get there. So the championship don'ts, I put them together in a bit of a newsletter yesterday. If you're not signed up for the newsletter, sign up for the newsletter and you will get these all in text. But I put together nine championship don'ts from the teams I've worked with and the players I've worked with. I've seen or I see generally what they're doing that probably detracts from what they want to do, which is ultimately go as far as they possibly can in a championship campaign. And ultimately for a lot of them is to win the championship. That is the ultimate prize. The county championship is what we work for, for the majority of our playing careers. And not everybody gets to experience the glory of winning a championship. So it is a privilege. And ultimately, there are not that many opportunities to go and do so. So that is a point I'm going to come back to later on. But the first championship don't, that I put together actually applies to things that are done pre-championship campaign in the lead up and a lot of work for winning a championship as you will see as we go through this list of points is often done prior to the championship there's only so much you can do when you get here but it's your plan throughout the year and your process throughout the year and what you've put in throughout the year that is going to put you in the best position possible to go and realize your potential at this point in the season so the first one is don't go into games missing any of your key players or any effective role players either for that matter. The best ability is availability. So if you have the majority or all of your players available, the manager is going to have some tough decisions to make in regards to who's going to start and who's going to finish the game. And that is a privileged position to be in. That is a great position to be in because it means that everybody is firing, everybody is fit, and there are questions to be asked in regards to a number of different positions there are people vying for positions and putting their hands up and saying look I want that starting jersey and that's the headache that the manager wants to have he wants to be saying well which is going to be our best full back line or which is going to be our best half back line and what's our best team to finish this game who's going to be the most effective subs to bring on rather than okay well look, we kind of know what our team is going to be here. We know to start in 12, 13 for sure. And then we're going to have to fill another two or three spots based off who's available because a lot of players are injured or suffering. Injuries are carrying niggles. And you will be carrying niggles at this stage of the season. A lot of people will. But come championship season, a lot of people just come out of the world work. And it's amazing that everybody's available come championship and everybody's training. So... The work has been done in regards to your physical preparation in the early season, hopefully. And at this stage of the season, it's just about keeping the athletes healthy. And that comes through managing load. It comes through discipline in terms of, look, this is what was planned for tonight. We're not going to veer too far away from that. We want to get this outcome out of this session and once we go past that it's going to be diminishing returns so we need to cut it we need to protect the players as much as we can we'll still challenge and 
challenging them to get better and better. But hopefully, if we've been challenging them all season, they're in a good position coming into the championship. They have clarity around what they're doing and they're physically prepared enough that they're going to be able to tolerate game demands come championship because that's the job of the SNC coach. They've got to be able to prepare the players to be able to tolerate game demands come championship because that is the ultimate when you talk to any of the coaches. And if you've been talking to the coaches, you'll know how they want to play and you'll be able to prepare them throughout the season to play in that way. Which brings me to point number two, which is don't attempt to implement a new game plan overnight. A game plan isn't something you just come up with on the week of championship. It shouldn't vary too much game to game. You should have some sort of a system that you've been working on all year that the coaches believe and the players believe is the best way that you can make the most out of the players that you have available. So it's the best way the team can play that they will get results. If you're changing things completely coming into championship, you haven't had a chance to practice it. And that's potentially why a lot of managers then try and uh, get some practice matches in because they're like, oh, well, we need to trial this person in this new position. We need to trial this new system. And that is more physical load. So you're detracting away from the physical preparedness of the players by trying to improve the tactical preparedness of the players, if that makes sense. But tactical awareness and clarity around the system and the approach doesn't just come in the lead up to championship. That has been coming all year. That has been something that you planned out at the start of the season in regards to at this month or this stage of the season, I want us to be effective at this part of the game plan. Then I can build this building block on that. And that should be a constant process throughout the season. And by the time you get to the championship season, there should be absolutely no dilemmas or no thoughts in the player's head that they're not clear on anything. Everything should be running as smoothly as possible and they should know what they're trying to do when they go out there. That doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. There's no perfect game of football. We all know that. Like It's an imperfect game. You're not going to go out and everything go absolutely to plan. But if you know what the plan is, you'll be able to fall back on that when things do shit, when shit does hit the fan, let's say. Then you're trying to facilitate decision making and you're trying to adapt your system or your plan to what is faced in front of your face. Now, don't get me wrong. You can change how you're going to play slightly game to game based on the opposition. But for the most part, you should have that built throughout the season. Like generally coming from a rugby background, like I don't think it's that much of an issue to have three different systems that you can fall back on when you go into the game and they can be simple enough. So like when I was coaching in Ross Gray, we implemented three different systems, which were very easy to um, put together. I was with say the fifth years, the seconds. And like when I appreciated that the, the guys were intelligent enough to like know what the three systems were. And I actually explained them. They were able to understand that. And they thought that, they had, well, they taught that. They did have autonomy around selecting which system to play. Now, rugby's a very different game, but at the same time, you should have a certain, you should have at least a plan A, a plan B, and in my mind, maybe a plan C. So, for example, our plans A, B, and C were called uh, Leinster, Connacht, and Munster. And I'd say you could guess in a rugby sense what the different uh systems or plans were in relation to obviously 
it's probably not the way that the teams are playing right now. But back then, the Munster approach was we were going to box kick heavy. We were going to try and clear our lines. We were going to contest the box kicks and we were going to try and get it back and then go up the middle. Connacht meant we were going to flash it. Our forwards were going to use hands and we were going to try and move the opposition side to side and keep the ball in hand as much as we can. And then Leinster, we were going to use the forwards in the tight to try and get over the gain line. Then we were going to maybe use the backs as frequently as necessary, not afraid to push it out as wide as possible, trying to play with a little bit of width similar to Connacht as well. But we were also going to use attacking kicks a lot as well. So we were going to do a lot of cross kicks, a lot of grubbers, a lot of chips, chip and chases. And like that is pretty simple to understand. And it was up to the out half to decide which one of those was appropriate for the game. Now, obviously going into a game, if you know the opposition, you're going to know what the opposition are going to play like, and you're going to know which of those systems is likely to pay more dividends than the other. But dynamically in the moment, the players could call that, look, this isn't going to plan. Let's try and change things slightly and see if we get any payoff as a result of changing things. Um, And by building them, like we didn't put them together when it came to like cup rugby at towards the end of the year, we were putting those together in the early season when the teams came back in September. And maybe even earlier, if you had like uh if you had like a camp and I know at, at other schools I've been at, uh, they have gone through the system that they're going to play during the summer when they get them in for a camp. And in that way, that's building throughout the year. And that might sound complicated, but it's not once it's on paper. Like I can put all of those on one A4 sheet and I think everybody would understand it because they all play rugby, they all watch rugby and it kind of anchors them back to what they're doing just by hearing, okay, Munster. And then everybody's on the same page and you go and you attack that. And I think like you could do that in GAA as well. I think it's it's not beyond the realms of possibility that you could have two or three different systems that you will try to employ. And they do it anyway. They probably just don't name them as such. Like you might play with two inside, you might play with a sweeper, you might play with three inside, four inside, you might play to the weight as much as you can, you might drop back and try and scramble and uh, defend around a 45, or you might put pressure on and try and win the ball back in like five seconds up the field and then attack as much as possible uh you might play a heavy transition game that's focused on carrying the ball you might play a heavy transition game that's focused on kicking the ball but you should be able to kind of adapt in the moment and play all of those different systems obviously you're going to be better at certain ones and that's going to be your plan a but that doesn't mean that you're not going to figure out that okay we're not too bad at plan b if the opposition has an approach that's going to counter our plan a then maybe we'll try plan B and see how that goes. And if both of those are failing, then let's go to plan C, which might be just like control the ball, control possession, don't give it away, um, a la Roscommon. Okay, which moves me away from the tactical approach, which I shouldn't really be talking about too much because I am a performance coach, the S&C coach, so I can't really control that side of things. But that is something that a lot of my individual athletes that I work with come to me and they're like, we don't know what the game plan is. And that's not with the teams that I work with. That's with the individuals I'm working with in a one-on-one basis. And sometimes I just have to laugh it off because I'm like, how do you not at this stage of the season? Like it's September. You've been training since January, February. Like it should be so clear at this stage. And if it's not, You should have been asking questions a few months ago when you were building it. Anyway, moving me to my next point, which is probably more aligned with my position as the SSC coach. Don't try to improve fitness at the last minute. Like battering your players in the lead up to championship is absolutely going to do more harm than good. 
what fitness that they've developed at this season, this stage of the season, if they have had an effective training program, is what they've got essentially. So you're going to get far more out of trying to maintain that fitness and keep them fresh than you are out of chasing fitness at the last minute. You can't cram for the exam. I'm, I'm afraid. The payoff that you're going to get in the two weeks in the lead up to the championship of chasing fitness is going to detract from trying to make your approach to the game, tactical, technical approach to the game, clearer, more streamlined and more efficient and effective. So if you give 20 minutes to fitness in each of those sessions, like there's an opportunity cost, you're taking away from gameplay and game plan. And if you're taking away from those as well as chasing fitness, it's likely to lead to a little bit of residual fatigue in your players, which is going to be difficult to get rid of if you're not tapering in the lead up to games. And I've heard crazy things of players playing on a Saturday and on a Wednesday, they're absolutely doing a dogged session, trying to build some fitness, which is not effective and which may lead to injuries in that game or in that training session, which are going to lead to less players available. So you can't pick your strongest team possible. So if you are chasing fitness at this stage of the season, you've missed the point about six months ago. That's the whole point that you turned up to training early. That's the whole point that you got an SNC coach. You got a program that was given to you to perform and to execute down to the nth degree that you possibly can to lead to you being prepared for this stage of the season. So sorry, buddy, you may just call it quits there and try and be as fresh as you possibly can. And then if you are still chasing fitness and you don't feel like you have miles and legs, the best time to work on it is the furthest time away from the next game. And I say this all the time and some teams do it and we've done it with some of our players. The furthest time away from the next game is immediately after this game. So the second that game is over, after you've had your debrief or even before your debrief, if you need to get some additional running in, you get it done there. And that's for the players that obviously don't feature or don't play full minutes or feel like they need it, but not everybody has to do that, obviously. Next, don't underappreciate the importance of positive language and athlete psychology in the run-up to the games. You want to hype your athletes up so much. You don't want to be telling them that they're shit and that it's not good enough and that we've like slim chances in this game and things probably won't go our way because you want your athletes to go in feeling as confident as they possibly can in themselves, in each other, in the game plan, in everything that you're doing. Because if they're feeling confident in it, then they're going to commit to action and they're commit to doing their absolute utmost to winning that game, making that additional run, making that run off the ball that takes a defender away when they really think that they can get that ball making that run up up the field to score that winning score a la Connor Kilfoyle. Like they have to believe that they can and they don't believe that they can by you telling them that they can't. So you've got to focus on what you're doing well and even in what you may not be doing so well, you need to build it as not this isn't good enough, but we can be better at this guys and this is how we be better at this. And it can't be don't give away the ball or don't turn over the ball. It needs to be, guys, hand passes have to go straight into the chest. Guys, have your hands up for the ball, call for the ball. And if it's a kick pass, it can't bounce. It needs to go straight into the chest. And in that way, you're not worrying them by, don't make any mistakes. You're actually telling them, have a goal. 
play the risky pass inside, play that kick pass in, but just make sure you narrow, narrow your focus and you're focused on hitting that ball into the chest without a bounce. And in that way, they're focused on the positive rather than worried about the negative. And you need to really focus on what you're good at because if they don't believe that they're going to be better than a team and they're going to win a te- win the game, they're probably not going to win the game. Like I've spoken with David Gray on his podcast, not sure when it's going out, hopefully it'll be out uh, this week, but about teams that are tried and tested, like say your Man United's back in the day. And even when it's going into injury time, they have confidence that, look, we're going to get a result here. Just keep going. And they, they see the opportunity. And, you see the opposite team in that case. Maybe Man United are a bad example given the result against Arsenal at the weekend. But you can see them kind of going into their shell and trying not to give away the ball because they're like, oh, they're coming, they're coming. <laughs> Don't make a mistake because they're going to pounce and then we might lose this game. They're not confident that, okay, we're going to win this game. So let's not focus on just holding the ball here and trying not to make a mistake. Let's keep going at these because they don't have what we've got. And we have been in this position before and we know what it takes. And we've been here and we have won games in the past where it's been tight at the end. So I have confidence that we're going to do it here. So let's make the pass and not change anything that we've done in the lead up to get into the lead in this game. Let's just continue doing what we're doing and it's going to be enough, but let's continue to go at them. Go attacking them. Take the opportunity. Seize the opportunity. Pummel them into the ground. Absolutely annihilate them. Let's get another goal. Let's get another two points. Let's put this to bed. Let's finish them off. Not let's survive. Let's survive. Let's survive. And that does come down to language. And I know I'm heavy on language, but it's because it's important. And I see it in training sessions myself. I see how focusing on the positive and rewarding the positive, like as I've spoken about in terms of how you structure your games, like you might give a point for somebody making a support run off the shoulder and carrying it into the next zone. You might give a point for a kick pass that doesn't bounce. You might give a point for getting the ball into a scoring zone or on the defensive side, you might give a couple of points for a tackle, a couple of points for a turnover, a couple of points for getting it out to a certain zone on the field, maybe on the wings carrying it up the field like and by focusing on those tasks and rewarding the actions of those tasks rather than punishing the action of turning over the ball or dropping the ball you see that your athletes and your players are more likely to do those things they're more likely to go ahead and make that run to get the ball they're more likely to kick that ball in because there's a chance they could get an extra point off of this kick pass and by rewarding those behaviors over time those behaviors become habits. And when they become habits, then the athletes are going to be confident in doing them because they do them all the time. So then they're going to do it in a game and they're not going to worry about messing up because confidence comes from experience and the experience of the training structure and what they've done in the lead up to that game would tell them that the likelihood is that they're going to be successful in that action. So that's partly about how you frame it and how you talk about it, but it's partly about how you structure training as well. Next, don't let infighting and personal issues permeate the group and impact group togetherness. This happens all the time. Players aren't happy with their position in the group. And in GAA in particular, I'm not starting. I'm surplus to requirements. No, you're fucking not. Like This is not a 15-man or a 15-woman game anymore. The intensity of these games is so high. The requirement is so high. We need fresh bodies coming in. 
We need people coming in that are ready to finish this game off. And I know I've spoken before about Eddie Jones framing it as not substitutes, but finishers. But like Dublin did that this year. Dublin finished each game with their strongest team that they possibly can, or they possibly could. They had McCaffrey coming on. They had Mannion. They had, they had Keen Murphy coming on. Shout out to Keen. Like, they had these guys coming on because they had confidence in these guys that, right, put these guys on and these guys have the speed, have the legs, have the skills to finish this side off. And look, they came away with an All-Ireland win. Everybody was bought into what they're doing. Sure, you may be disappointed that you're not starting, but once you've accepted, okay, I'm not starting, you need to accept the role that you have. And that role is going to be either being a finisher, coming on and finishing the game and giving your absolute best, or it's going to be preparing the person opposite you as best as possible so that the team wins. The short-term conflict of a conversation in regards to okay, I'm not too happy with this. Like the resolution of that is a big payoff and it has to be done immediately. So if there's people that are kind of narking at each other and getting a bit narky, that's fine, but it needs to be addressed as soon as possible. And if there are personal issues and people aren't happy in the group, that needs to be addressed. Conflict isn't resolved by pushing it down and pushing it away. Conflict needs to be faced head on and you need to go through it together. And that's how you stay together. There are going to be people pissed off. There are going to be things going on outside of the group or in training or or whatever that are going to lead to a little bit of tension. But you have to address that tension and you have to try and overcome it. If you just ignore it, it's going to bubble up, bubble up, bubble up, bubble up, and it will come to... It will come to the surface eventually and it will not be uh, pretty when it does. There will be tensions on the field. There'll be people mounting at each other. There'll be people getting tick at each other. And like, that's all good, but it needs to be handshake, resolve it, talk about it and move on, move through, move on together. Because if you're not together as a group, it's very, very unlikely that you're going to go and win a championship or you're going to win anything really in any sport. The group needs to be together and they need to have obviously a bit of clarity around what they're doing and believe in each other and believe that everybody that is there is there for them and believe in the game plan and fucking go and do it. Don't let people outside of the group have an impact on what you're doing. And this happens all the time. Board members are brought in and they talk about, oh, we back this manager and you players aren't doing good enough. What are you doing here? It's nothing to do with you. Supporters are muttering on the sideline to subs or saying, Jesus, you should be on there. You're better than that so-and-so. Former coaches, former players are texting you saying, Jeez, I saw that game. It wasn't great there. Uh, maybe you should try and do this. Sorry, mate. You're not in the group. You have nothing to do with it. Leave me alone. <laughs> because all that I'm focused on, I'm focused on this group and what we have inside this room and everybody else is a distraction and a detraction. So we will sort this out ourselves and I believe that we will sort it out ourselves and I'm not going to waste unnecessary energy listening to or leading on your negativity it's not your position i appreciate that you're interested and you probably have my best intentions at heart but it's not going to help my group and my team to win and for that reason i'm going to keep this internal and i'm going to talk to the team and we are going to do our best together and i'm not going to let what you're saying get under my skin and lead to any tension between me and my fellow players or me and my management 
don't let this is number seven by the way if you're struggling to follow don't let anything go unsaid respect each other enough to tell the truth so this is in relation to management and players if you're disappointed that you're not playing and you feel like you don't know what to do to get on that team fucking say it to the manager ask him what do i need to do I feel like I've been doing this. Is this what you want? And oftentimes, and I've had conversations with my athletes when I've pushed them to do this and they've gone to the manager, talked to the manager, next game they get their shot, they hit it out of the park and they're on the team and they've got what they've wanted all along and they've achieved what they wanted to achieve and then they can move towards putting their best foot forward for themselves and for the team and going winning the game. But that wouldn't have happened if they didn't address it and they weren't honest and they didn't respect their manager enough to say it to them. And likewise, in relation to, we all know when players are going to be disappointed when they're not starting, but as long as you keep them on the same page with you and you tell them why they're not starting, what they need to do when they come on or what role they're going to fulfill or what they need to improve on to fulfill the role you want them to fulfill, then they're going to at least have some understanding of your thought process and they'll be able to respect it more. If you just kind of push it to one side and don't address it and don't speak to them and don't tell them anything they have to do, and then it's likely to lead to tension and tension is going to impact togetherness. And I know that's what I'm talking about all the time, but it's what I see from successful teams. There is going to be a bit of tension from time to time, but you have to address it and you have to respect each other enough to tell the truth. And that applies player to player as well. If somebody's not pulling their weight, if somebody's not buying into the game plan, if they're going off script too often, if they're not, if they're not aligned with what your values are and what you said was going to be your approach to this championship season, they need to be pulled up on it. They need to be told. They need to be respected enough that they're part of this group and they're accountable to this group. And you believe that they can do it a bit better. So fucking tell them. If somebody's passing wasn't good enough the last day, just say, look, I know you're better than that. What do we need to do to get you to pass the ball or execute a little bit more effectively? Do I need to show for it more? Do I need to make that pass shorter? But ultimately, come on, let's get out and let's get some extra work done. I know you're going to get it together. Stay confident. We can do this. But if you just ignore it, then it's not going to get any better. And that goes for selection that goes for game plan like if you're feeling like you're unsure of the game plan then you need to say it and the short-term conflict as i said is going to lead to long-term game it's going to lead to a positive environment thereafter because you've addressed the issue hopefully and if the manager gets stick at you for not knowing the game plan grand like it's short-term conflict but after he gets stick at you he'll explain it to you and then You'll get, you'll hopefully get it after that and you can move forward and you can have more clarity as a group around what you're doing. But that only happens if you ask questions and you state your opinion. You need to listen to others as much as you possibly can. Try to understand them, understand their questions and understand their opinion. And then hopefully there will be more clarity around the group, more understanding, more togetherness and less tension. Big one is number eight. Don't self-sabotage because it's the easy way out. And I see it a lot. Coming up to championship, okay, we've put a decent amount of work in, but I'm not feeling that confident around what we're doing. Like, I'm not that clear on the game plan. I don't believe that I'm going to be starting. I don't know if I'm going to be starting or not. I'm not sure my teammates, if they're fully bought in. Electric picnics on the weekend. 
the lads are going on holidays to Marbella. Uh, there's a concert over in Galway I want to go to. Ah, do you know what? Like, if they're not fully bought in and I'm not fully confident in them, maybe I'll go and do these things because some of my other friends are going and I've been missing out all year. So, look, I'm just going to go enjoy myself. And then if it comes to championship and I, if I fail a championship, at least I didn't miss this for nothing, you know? At least I went to what I wanted to go to and it wasn't all for nothing. Uh, I have a little bit of an excuse as well if things don't go my way. Fucking bullshit, in my opinion. Absolute bullshit. A coward's way out. And look, you might have a bit of FOMO, but like you need to reframe it. You need to have a bit of JOMO. Rather than fear of missing out on things, you have to have joy of missing out on things because you get to perform at your absolute peak. You get to be the best player that you can be for your club, for your parish, for your people, for your family. You get to put your best foot forward and attempt to realize your potential for everybody to see. And that is an absolute privilege. It should be a privilege. So it's not a choice that okay, it's between these two things. It's a choice that do you want to be the best that you possibly can be? Or do you want to let another year go by where you failed to reach your goals because you've wanted to self-sabotage because you're not confident in yourself and you don't really believe you can do it. And if I give it 110% and I fail, I'll be really disappointed. You might as well give it a hundred percent or a hundred and ten percent. Should have said hundred and ten, but give it a hundred percent and fail rather than give it fucking sixty percent and fail because you've put all this work in already throughout the year. What was it for? Why are you going to throw it away with two weeks leading to the final few games of the season? Like, and I've had conversations in the last week with players who are now retired, coaches, and they've had the conversations with players as well in regards to how much they miss it because you can't get that buzz back from coaching it's not the same as playing and it's so finite it's so finite you might like say you play club GAA for I I don't know what the average is probably about 12-15 years 12 years at senior let's say how many of those years do you not really have the best team possible do you not have that much of a chance at winning for a lot of teams it's probably at least half, if not more of those years, you're not the best that you possibly can be. So say you have 12 years and then you take away six to eight of them. Okay, how many of those years are you going to be missing players, like key players that may be injured and you take away another two? It's leaving you with maybe three years, three years that you have an actual goal at winning a county championship in your life. You're not going to get this opportunity again. So why squander it? Because you want to go enjoy yourself for a night or enjoy yourself for a couple of nights. And I think you can enjoy yourself while still pursuing the goal. Like there's nothing more enjoyable than if you win a game, going out and lash or going for a few drinks or going to the clubhouse with your teammates and enjoying their company and enjoying yourself then after the game, rather than just like pottering about and in between match weeks going and drinking. And I know the weather's great. And I know that it's August that I know that your friends might be doing it if they're not involved in GAA, but do you know what they also don't get to do? They don't get the opportunity to realize their potential in front of everybody in their club colors and for it to be remembered and talked about in pubs for years. 
winning a county championship is absolutely massive. I saw it last year with my home club, Ross Gray. Like, I didn't even think there was that many people in Ross Gray. But the crowds that came out, and Alan talked about it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, were absolutely immense. It meant so much to people because these were their sons, their their brothers, their cousins, their, their friends, people they knew. And they went and they fucking did it. And we hadn't seen it in so long. And it meant so much to people because they're living vicariously through those people, through the red and white. Like, and you have the chance to do that, but you'd rather go to see Fred again. Fred again is going to be touring for the next 10 years. You can go see him in a few years when you're injured or whatever. But like, that will always be an opportunity. You only have finite opportunities to go and win a championship. So by God, you might as well make the most of it. Wow. <laughs> I didn't expect to get that fiery, but like it just frustrates me so much. And do you know why it probably frustrates me? Because I don't have the opportunity to play right now. I haven't had the opportunity to play anything for years. And it fucking drives me nuts because I can't play a team sport and I love team sport and I'm coaching every evening. So like I'm passing up on this opportunity. Sure, it's for career and sure it's for still trying to win things as a coach. But like I'm helping these people to try and realize their potential and realize their goals. And to in order to do that, and it is a choice for me as well, I have to sacrifice my athletic career. And like I'm 28 now. Look, that might sound young to some people, but like realistically, if I want to be getting the best out of myself as an athlete, it needs to be happening in the next couple of years. But I'm passing up that because I want these people to go and realize their potential. And it's not it's not really conducive to them realizing their potential if they're going and doing these things because they're afraid of what might happen. See the opportunity, seize the opportunity, do your absolute best, do it with respect to me, do it with respect to other coaches, do it with respect to your teammates, do it with respect to yourself, but don't pass up the opportunity just because you're afraid of failure. You need to get over that fear of failure. You have to see the opportunity to win. And like, if things haven't been going great, if things haven't been going amazingly, then that's all well and good. You can just sacrifice or not sacrifice. You can just give up and leave it there and not have a go at it. Or you can choose to see it as the opportunity for a massive comeback story. And you can do absolutely everything in your power to get yourself across that line, feeling as good as you possibly can so that you can go home and bring home a trophy, hopefully. And even if you're not possible to bring home a trophy, you can get to a final, you can get to a semi-final, you can stay up, you can avoid relegation. And in some ways that would be a win as well. Finally, don't miss the forest for the trees. The number one thing at this stage of the season is winning games. So keep the main thing, the main thing. Do what you can to win games. And this probably is very apt because, look, we need to keep our frequency of gym work up. But if we're doing some tactical analysis or we're doing some game analysis or we're talking about the system, I am willing to sacrifice minutes of that gym session at the moment so that players can get the most out of that and as well as that get the most out of the amount of time allocated to the gym as possible for their preparedness so if it means that our 30 minute 25 minute gym session has to be cut to 15 minutes i'd still rather them get that 15 minutes done than not and i'd still rather them get what they need to out of that out of that analysis that is going to help them to perform better on the field and still get their compounds done and maybe their their 
accessory or their robustness work done and then get out of there and go home and recover and make sure that they're mentally ready to go and perform on the day of the game. Because football is the main thing or hurling is the main thing. The game is the main thing at this stage of the season. So don't get distracted by anything else. Keep the main thing, the main thing, which is the game. Okay. Everything you do has to be in relation to trying to put yourself in the best position you can be to win and to go and play your absolute best. So if you're a favorite and you're struggling with that, you need to forget. You need to have, there's a reason that you are a favorite. Be confident, go in with confidence. And if you're not that confident in, re- in regards to things and, and in regards to your clarity around the game plan and your ability to achieve, you need to convince yourself that, look, I might as well give it my best shot. I might as well give it 100% because I have the opportunity for a comeback here and I have finite opportunities to go and do this. So I'm going to choose to see the privilege and choose to see the opportunity and I'm going to go out and I'm going to fucking take it because it's right in front of my face. And if I just leave it there, it's going to stay there and then it's going to be gone in a couple of years and I'm not going to get another chance at this. So if it's right there and it's within reach, I'm going to fucking reach out myself and I'm going to grab it by the scruff of the neck and I'm going to snatch it and take it and do what I can to do so. So (laughs) I didn't mean for this to turn into some sort of a motivational uh, podcast, but hopefully it will resonate with some people that are in their championship season at this stage. And if it does, fantastic. If somebody listens to this and they're like, Jesus, he's right. I'm going to give it my best shot. I'm not going to self-sabotage. I'm not going to sit back and let it go past me. I'm going to have that conversation with my teammates. I'm going to have that conversation with my management. I'm going to say that I'm unclear in this aspect of the game plan. How do we do this? Then me putting this out here has been worthwhile. So I hope you enjoy it. And if you do enjoy it, please remember to like it, share it and send it.